Hello, everyone. I'm Katya Walt, the Executive Director of the MIT Enterprise Forum Cambridge. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, where we feature interviews and insights from startup founders, business luminaries, and technology leaders from around the world. Our podcasts are designed to inform, connect, and coach the early-stage technology entrepreneur, both locally and around the world. In today's episode, we are so lucky to have an interview brought to you by our friends at MIT Enterprise Forum Israel. Hi, everybody. This is Ella Matalon from the MIT Enterprise Forum of Israel, and this is our first podcast uh, in cooperation with the MIT Enterprise Forum of Cambridge. And today's guest is Avner Halperin, uh, the entrepreneur who started, co-founded Early Sense, a very interesting company that we will shortly discuss. Uh, he's also involved in uh, a number of other uh, digital health companies and in the in a lot of uh, social uh, work, mainly in Bet Shemesh currently. Avna, would you like to start and tell us a little bit about what you do in Bet Shemesh? Sure, would love to do that, but let me first introduce you, Ella. So Ella Matalon is chairman of the uh, Israeli MIT Enterprise Forum, really one of the experts here in Israel on entrepreneurship, has been studying entrepreneurship, uh, leading entrepreneurship, teaching entrepreneurship, and supporting uh, diversity in entrepreneurship for many years, really one of the experts here in Israel. Pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Um, and yes, you know, I've been involved in digital health and initiatives for a while, but recently I've also gotten involved in one of the more interesting uh, development cities in Israel called Bet Shemesh, the fastest growing and the youngest city here in Israel. Uh, a unique opportunity to see how uh, a new leader that uh, was elected as a mayor of the city Uh, is doing a turnaround for one of the poorest cities to make it a city of growth and involvement. I'm uh, one of the people that is trying to bring uh, digital technology and entrepreneurship to the city by connecting between uh, people in the city who want to work uh, with different uh, entrepreneurship opportunities. Uh, we've co-founded uh, a group that is working together together uh, weekly on looking for opportunities for the city in education, in health, uh, in logistics, which is an important area of uh, future technology. And we believe that that, uh, that city is going to be, we're going to hear a lot from that city in the next few years. And how is this linked to whatever you've been doing in high technology and in digital health? Well, it's not linked in terms of the subject matter, but it's linked to the bigger picture. I mean, I've always looked at technology as a way to uh, help people and improve. Uh, we started with health, and that's how we'll talk about early sense in a minute. Uh, but today we believe that uh, technology in a city that has been very challenged, like Bechemesh, can help close gaps and open opportunities for people who have been, I'll say, left behind before that. Uh, so by training, for example, the ultra-orthodox community members to be able to participate in the high-tech community, we can close gaps and uh, open doors for people who have not invo been involved in that part of the Israeli economy. And we see very exciting things happen. And it's always based on a leader bringing vision to, the, to a city and then using that to drive people to achieve much more than they have done before. And that's what we've been doing in, uh, in Bechemish. Let's go back to, to early sense. Um, you've been involved in this company for how many years? So I co-founded early sense uh, a little over 15 years ago. 
Uh, I actually had an opportunity to do a TED talk about that uh, a few months ago and told the story of how it all started with uh, my daughter's asthma and the asthma of one of my co-founders. Um, we were really, dis- I would say, frustrated by the fact that our kids were getting asthma attacks. You know, asthma is one of the biggest uh, killer of kids, actually. Uh, and our kids were getting asthma attacks, and we had nothing to do but to take them to the hospital when the attack happened because it was too late for the regional medication. And we talked to doctors, and they told us, if you are able to know a few hours earlier that the attack is happening, then the same standard medication that you know, the inhaler, will be very effective. In fact, can prevent... 95% of hospitalizations, just by getting the early warning a few hours earlier. And so we needed to find a tool that would actually give that early warning uh, and do that in a way that's usable at the home. Uh, so that's when we thought about the famous uh, fairy tale of the princess and the pea. And we decided that we will develop uh, something that will look like the pea, go under the mattress and uh, detect uh, the uh, the breathing in the heart of the of our kids and through that give early warning of asthma so that's how we got to the story uh, to this uh, to, to found the company we realized that with sensors we can actually give early warning for asthma and we were able to raise money on it and uh, started the company 15 years ago and since then like many companies uh, in the technology field we've done a lot of changes so we started with asthma and expanded to other fields and we can talk about that Eventually, you found yourself with a major role in the COVID-19 pandemic. After developing the solution for asthma, we actually took it to other areas where there is a, a more of an immediate implementation interest. So over the last 15 years, we developed this technology to be an early warning uh, artificial intelligence-based system that detects uh, data and gives early warning for people in hospitals. Uh, based on heart, breathing, and motion information. We've monitored more than 1 million patients by now, and have uh, the systems in about 300 medical centers, mainly in the United States. So with that ability, uh, when the current uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus pandemic appeared, uh, we realized that there is a real opportunity to help um, leverage this technology to assist in the uh, battle against corona. Because one of the biggest challenges everybody was worried about was that our hospitals will be uh, really overwhelmed by too many patients and mainly the intensive care units. So what our system, which is a contactless independent system, enables hospitals to do is to keep patients outside the intensive care because it's a very simple sensor, but very smart one that helps control the, the condition of the patient and predict deterioration without having to keep them in the intensive care and give that same early intervention, like my daughter with the inhaler, uh, but also for um, coronavirus patients in hospitals uh, without uh, having to have very complex uh, monitoring systems and other devices around the patient. So it's very well suited for general care floors and also in uh, nursing homes. So the whole focus is using this technology and adapting it to keep patients out of intensive care and out of hospitals. And that's what we've seen in multiple sites, both in North America and in Israel. I remember you telling me over the years that you were worried about the reaction of the, of the nurses, uh, lest they should feel that the sensor is replacing them. Yeah, one of the key challenges 
that we have been working on when we bring a very advanced sensor and artificial ba- intelligence-based analytics and predictive ability is the integration and interaction with the clinicians. Uh, on one hand, as you said, first there was our uh, concern, will uh, nurses uh, push back against the system because they think it would either uh, replace them or they would think it would be kind of a big brother watching them and indicating when they are doing something wrong. So we had to uh, build the system in such a way that it's really empowering and giving ability to the clinician without uh, ever either replacing or, uh, again, being a big brother. And the way we did that is that we really uh, gave the, the nurses a tool to intervene earlier and documented for them and proved to them that we're actually making them more effective. And really in almost every clinical site, it only took one event when the system helped the nurse save one patient's life by early warning and documenting that and sharing that with the whole team that that whole uh, pushback concern uh, was overcome. Maybe I'll mention one other key point. As you know, with all these smart systems, and you see that every time you walk into intensive care, the big challenge is that you have um, beeping all the time. You have false alarms. And we have the story of the boy who cried wolf. You hear so many wolf, wolf alarms that uh, nobody responds to the actual alert when it happens. So we really put a lot of effort on building the confidence of the clinicians, nurses and doctors, one, helping them save lives, but also showing them that we are reducing the alarm so they don't get hundreds and hundreds of alarms, but really only alerts when something is likely to be wrong. And once they've felt that, they also, uh, I would say, warmed up more to the system. And now, after monitoring one million patients, we have enough proof to get everybody on board and using the system effectively. And this is just one point that you were in crisis or in a potential crisis. Can you discuss more uh, crisis situations that you have to cope uh, with? Sure. In running a company for 15 years, it's really like a roller coaster. Um, and there have been so many ups and so many downs. And there is, it's never been just clear sailing. And, it, you know, I always had to remind myself and the team that when When everything looks good, that's when we need to prepare for crisis. And when things are deteriorating, we have to think, you know, how we get ready for getting out of the crisis. But the, I would say the key point is uh, when a crisis arrives is to uh, respond, uh, respond quickly and, and do the painful acts that are required um, within uh, days. Um, we've seen that in 2008. We see it again now. Obviously, the biggest challenge for any leader, entrepreneur in leading a company is that when these things happen, you first usually have to cut cost and have to do it very quickly. Even when things look like there is so much to do, um, companies like us and others have to make sure that they have enough uh, runway to get out of the crisis. And the other thing was to be very creative in how we get uh, funding support. Uh, so usually companies like ours go to the investors, but in time of crisis, in the, interestingly, we actually went to the government. Uh, the Israeli government got some European funds. We even got funds from the Gates Foundation. But in times of crisis, when often 
private investors are not uh, willing to write uh, checks. We have found that uh, government institutions are often willing to take the risk. And I always tell the story about the Israeli Innovation Authority. You know, early since raised over $160 million. And out of those $160, it got half a million from the Israeli uh, Innovation Authority from the government. But that half a million actually is the reason the company is thriving and alive today because we got that half million in the economic crisis of 2008, 2009 when nobody else would give us funding. So being creative on the funding and being aggressive on the cost cutting has been very critical for us in previous challenges and also now. We're seeing a lot of creativity nowadays when uh, you know everybody's uh, trying to see how they can help uh, cope with COVID-19. And we're seeing a lot of uh, interdisciplinary work uh, taking place. Isn't this amazing? Yeah, I think we see that uh, interdisciplinary work happening all over the world. But in Israel, being such a small and close-knit community, I think it's uh, phenomenal. Uh, we see people from industry, from academia, from the hospitals, and in Israel also from the defense institutions, all really uh, joining together to be to develop new solutions. I've just been involved in a solution where analytics came from a, from a private uh, company, while the command and control capabilities required by the hospital came from a, a major defense uh, group, volunteers from another military unit developed something else, and the ability of these teams to work together, and especially in this small but uh, very effective ecosystem we have here in Israel, really delivered um, very creative and uh, effective quick solutions to some of the major challenges around COVID-19. And you know, Like we see in, uh, in wars, you know, these times of challenges generate new, uh, new ideas, new creativity that stay with us for the future. So they talk about Napoleonic Wars as something that got us the tin cans and Second World War is getting us the radar. And I think from uh, this initiative, we're going to get some advanced AI and uh, uh, machine learning solutions that come because of the coronavirus so. challenge and will stay with us for the future absolutely and a lot of a lot more digital health a lot more digital health and a lot more telehealth of course uh, you know the whole push you know people have been talking about telehealth and home health as the solution for next year for the last 15 years and hasn't happened and it's very likely that the covet 19 pandemic is going to be the accelerator that gets us over that edge and and in to get that solution implemented on a much wider scale I agree we're seeing a lot of uh, institutional bodies that are opening up fast now and when they uh, they see the need and they see how how well it's working for them I agree and you know we all know that medical institutions in general are not the quickest adopters of new solutions and because of the need now and the shortage we're seeing more and more of that one thing that I'm pushing for both in the ecosystem here and globally is Is really for more aggressive opening of the databases we think I think that's a huge opportunity for us to open the database for advanced AI uh, solutions to be developed I think that still has not gone as quickly as possible I've actually been trying to reach a solution that's based on the open source model where everybody will open the data and then anything based on that data will need to be shared back in open source model so like we got uh, ways to an open source model for driving hopefully we can get that in digital health data in the future as well there is more to be done there but I absolutely agree with you 
that uh, we've seen a very fast adoption of technologies that have been on the sidelines for years now. I agree. Um, can you say more about your entrepreneurial trail? So, uh, no, entrepreneurial trail, uh, the one thing that uh, often surprises people, especially when you look at digital health entrepreneurship, is how long it takes. Um, and people, you know, read the stories about these um, uh, huge exits and very uh, fast uh, or, or successful companies, but many people are not aware of how long and tough the road is and the fact that, you know, early sense is one example, but we've seen many where you work 15 years to become an overnight success. So the question is, how do you keep running uh, in that marathon? And uh, the, the key thing is really to find, both for yourself and for the team, um, value and rewards along the tough way. And, you know, the, the good thing for us and the lucky thing for us uh, involved in the f- world of digital health is that the rewards are really in seeing the impact on, uh, on the lives of people. And so really from the first time that we started monitoring patients, we started documenting, sharing, publishing, especially with our team and with, for ourselves, uh, every time that our system helped a clinician save a patient's life in a home, in a nursing home, or in a hospital. And that really gets the team uh, and myself actually very motivated and allowed us to keep the whole team together for a very long time in order to go through all these ups and downs that we mentioned and, and through the long time it takes to get you know, technology developed, regulatory approval, uh, clinical tests, and mass scale uh, success which is in many cases in the order of magnitude of 10 to 20 years. Yesterday, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke about the insights that he got from his studies at MIT regarding uh, pandemics and statistics in general. Um, can you say what, uh, in your studies at Sloan, um, what tools you got to, um, to make you better prepared to, your, to being an uh, entrepreneur in high technology? Yes, so as you mentioned, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu is, uh, is an alum of uh, Sloan, and so am I. And uh, I studied in 2000-2001 the Sloan Fellows Program. And I think the, one of the major things that I took away from it was really the global perspective. You know, I came from Israel with experience basically in Israel. Uh, and there I had the opportunity to study with people from, I think, 25 different countries and build relationships and work together on projects with people with very, very different cultural backgrounds for myself. And, and you know, since then, you know, when negotiating with Americans, with Japanese, with Europeans, and building joint ventures, which have made early sense very successful, I've relied a lot on the experience I've had in working in teams in the Sloan Fellows Program at MIT on, uh, and, and really understanding the the challenges of cultural differences that you know people can understand things differently but also the huge opportunities when you bring different perspectives and different capabilities into a single team uh, to to make the team more creative and more um, I would say uh, kind of able to break roadblocks that, uh, that usually a single person with a single perspective cannot achieve. So for me, that uh, 
multicultural global uh, ability to build bridges has been very, very valuable, and I got it uh, at MIT. Yeah, and we know for a fact that teams do far better than uh, single entrepreneurs in general. And diverse teams do better than non-diverse teams. That's been proven over and over again. It's usually a little tougher to manage diverse teams, but if you're able to do it and you've practiced in doing it, then uh, the achievements are much, much more uh, significant and effective. Avner, you mentioned diversity. We're actually working nowadays on a program for women in high technology and femtech. It will include uh, nine sessions and uh, it's coming up next June. We've been working on diversity in a, a multitude of ways. And actually, the MIT Enterprise Forum is now focusing on working with uh, the Arab minority, 21% of the population in Israel. And we're doing a lot of work with a number of organizations. Mm-hmm. That's great. And yes, we've had a lot of experience and we've pushed a lot at early sense to build a diverse uh, diverse team. Uh, you mentioned uh, women in early sense we had um, at all levels, engineers, team leaders, uh, vice presidents and board members, uh, as many women as men. And we, we found that to be again very effective and valuable and also important. Uh, for the future. It also allowed us, for example, to be very open-minded to an area that's been, uh, by, uh, by many people, believed uh, to be overlooked, and that's the area of women's health uh, in digital health. Uh, and so, for example, we developed a solution that uh, relates to women's health and monitoring um, women's uh, um, period and cycle and uh, opportunity to for those who got, want to get pregnant to get pregnant with our sensor and digital health analytics for home imp- uh, implementation so definitely diversity has been very valuable for us in that perspective but also uh, we've worked a lot on integrating uh, Arab uh, born uh, engineers and Orthodox engineers in our company uh, and what we've seen is that it's often most challenging to bring the first one to On board and once we brought our first uh, engineer from that community we got we were able to get his or her help to get more members of their community brought on board and successfully integrated we found that to be very helpful and valuable and um, again adding to the creativity and success of the team and you, we mentioned in the beginning of the uh, conversation also uh, what I'm doing today in Bechemish a lot of that experience from early sense, Um, I'm now leveraging in Bechemish where we want to take people who are based there who have not been integrated in the uh, high-tech community in Israel and provide them the training, but also very important, the soft skills and the network to access into the Israeli high-tech scene. It's uh, a step-by-step process, but we're seeing very nice uh, early success in that initiative. And it's fun, diverse teams. This is so interesting. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, the world is interesting and, uh, and, uh, and funny in many ways. You know, we, I started with asthma and uh, was very focused. Had a little bit, I would say, of a heartbreak. It happens to many entrepreneurs where the original story that you started the company with changes because business requires you to go where the, where the funding and the, uh, and, the, and the business case is. So we moved from asthma and kids to... Uh, older people, adults in hospitals, nursing homes, et cetera, and been very successful there. But you're right, it's a very nice closing of the loop when today ev- 
a lot of what we learned about the intricacy of breathing for asthma now makes our solutions uniquely effective uh, in helping save the lives of uh, coronavirus patients. So yes, uh, it is a nice uh, uh, I say closing of this uh, circle uh, in these days and very exciting. Thank you so much, Avner, for sharing your insights with us. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and hope to see you again. A big, big thank you to Udi Kumran, who was so kind to let us use his studio to record this session. Thank you, Udi. Thank you, Ella, for bringing us another great guest to our show. Our MIT Enterprise Forum Network, built over 40-plus years of existence, is so powerful, and we feel very fortunate to have these startup founders, business luminaries, and technology leaders from around the world as guests on this show. Thanks again for joining us, and see you back here again soon.